Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena, only a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue, and finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This week, we're talking about the effects of COVID on mental health, and as always, we have a special guest. Will you please introduce yourself? My name is Samantha Taylor. I'm the Director of Mental Health Services at Catholic Charities Southwestern Ohio. We provide mental health services to couples, families, individuals, children. We provide services in a multitude of languages. We have two full-time Spanish-speaking therapists. We also utilize interpreters for therapy. I've been with the organization going on two years. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Samantha, we're talking about mental health and we're talk, talking about the pandemic. So what mental health challenges are clients facing now, particularly due to COVID-19, to this pandemic we're facing right now? Well, a lot of our clients struggle with diagnoses, symptoms of depression and anxiety. So given the pandemic, anyone who already had that predisposition is struggling even more now due to factors that they can't control often. And just the sense of isolation. So many of us are working from our homes, those of us who are lucky enough to. But a lot of our clients have lost jobs and they have children at home. And and then suddenly the pandemic hit and they really haven't had maybe the same outlets and the same opportunities for coping that they had in the past. So it's been a big change and and a big hardship for a lot of people. So maybe some quick examples. If you've lost your job, that can be difficult. People are have a whole different situation they're dealing with, working with home if they can be working, right? Which is a whole different set of issues. Maybe their their kids are home, right? From school, mm-hmm. perhaps all day. I know in my case, that's what's happening. When my wife and I are trying to figure out how to work from home and come into the office as much as we have to and take care of the kids who are now being homeschooled at least this year and all the stress and anxiety that comes with all of that. So how has it impacted the way people get mental health services? Well, it impacted it significantly. And essentially overnight, we were doing exclusively office-based and a little bit of community-based services in people's homes prior to the pandemic. But once the directive came down from the governor, we literally had to switch up everything. And we weren't doing telehealth, but that is what we're doing predominantly now. So it was truly just a scramble to get the technology together to do it, to train everyone on best practices in telehealth, and also getting the technology in place for not only us, but for our clients. A lot of them don't have the technology to do it. So we were doing therapy over the phone. Those who had the capacity were doing video. Now that we've sort of had some time to deal with the problem, we've all gotten a lot more comfortable with it, but it was a huge change. Like you mentioned people who don't perhaps don't have the computer or don't have the bandwidth to be able to have a video chat. You're dealing with people on the phone, for example. What is it that's different about in-person and on the computer or on the phone that is challenging for, for the people who are delivering right the services as well as people who are receiving them? Well, in, in our profession, you know, we're used to engaging with people personally. And so the screen is it's a barrier, you know, it's not to say that you still can't be very um, effective, but it's just a very different way of providing services. It took us a little while to to see our faces on the screen all day long and to be in front of the computer screen all day long. So if it was hard for us, we, we knew 
Absolutely. It would be a, a big adjustment for our clients. You know, I will say it's been very well received. For some people, it's actually been beneficial. You know, for those who maybe struggled with rides to therapy or, you know, gas money or childcare, you know, they can go into a room and shut their door and still see their therapist without having to deal with some of those barriers. So what are some of the interventions, right, that therapists are using now to help people who are struggling to cope with the changes that are happening in their lives due to this pandemic? Well, we're doing therapy as usual, as much as possible. We incorporate cognitive behavioral therapy to help people manage their thoughts and their feelings. And one thing that we have found to be particularly useful, especially people dealing with anxiety in these really troubled times, is relaxation techniques. You know, we teach clients the tools so that they learn to calm themselves down and empower themselves to feel better. So a lot of our therapists are using things like guided imagery and deep breathing and mindfulness. And we also really focus on self-care, not just for our clients, but for ourselves, you know, for everyone. We all need to be right now sleeping well, eating well, trying to get exercise, being kind to ourselves, limiting alcohol, just those things that can agitate us, you know, just doing as much to take care of your body because that impacts your mind. Right. So is there, has there been a significant uptick in the number of clients, number of people who are reaching out for mental health services in the past nine months or so since this has been going on? We've had a lot of calls on our intake line. Yes. Um, And we're doing what we can to provide services. Sadly, we do have a wait list, so it it takes a little longer than we'd like, but we, we encourage anyone who needs help to give us a call and we'll do what we can to get you seen. So I, I can imagine some people listening, not even understanding some people listening and going, okay, so you have to work from home. You've got more stress, you know, but this is not a big deal. You just deal with it, right? You don't need to <laughs> call a mental health professional for that. Do you have anything to say, right? To help people understand why depression and anxiety and these things are important issues that really do need to be taken care of in order to be able to live your life better. Oh, absolutely. Your mental health is so important. You know, even in times that are less stressful, we all benefit from having someone to talk to, from airing out our thoughts, feeling supported, feeling heard, particularly now. Um, if, you know, a, a lot of people, I think they're, it, it's less so than it once was, but there's still a big stigma attached to mental health services. A lot of people are reluctant or uncomfortable to reach out for help, but most people do find that it actually really does help. And it's, it's something I encourage everyone to do. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. It's a hard thing to do, but it often does provide the results that you're looking for and you're living your life maybe more peacefully and your relationships improve. And it just kind of can trickle down into all areas of your life if you're, if you're feeling better. So this pandemic has also impacted services, maybe particularly services to children and families or, or other populations. So how has that impact right, been felt across some various po- populations here that uh, it's not just a matter of working from home or something. There are some serious things that are being impacted by this pandemic that people are suffering from. Oh, sure. When I think of those special populations you mentioned, I think about children, many of whom are not in school anymore. And, And depending on the age of the child, telehealth you know, video therapy isn't always appropriate. You know, kids are, you know, most of our therapists who work, the kids are going to be interacting with them and playing with them. And that is not something that's available. Um, and if you are able to see your, your, your kids in person, you're wearing a mask. And so you can't be as expressive as you once were. 
You know, kids, obviously, they're resilient and they adapt well, but we found that to be a challenge. I would say, too, for some of our folks who maybe have developmental delays, telehealth can be very difficult. Or older people who don't have access or knowledge of technology, that can also be a challenge. So, you know, it really, it is, it's an individualized thing. Some people do very well and others struggle. I will say one thing that our agency has done to help people who don't have access to technology is we've gotten a grant that we are able to provide Chromebooks and hotspots to people who otherwise would not have the access to those services. So Catholic Charities has been extremely responsive in trying to continue our mission. Yeah, that's terrific. That can make a gigantic difference. You know, that people might take for granted how, you know, oh, they say that the technology is there for we can do all things easily, but not everybody has a great internet connection. <laughs> not everybody has a decent computer, right? They could show things on video. Let's not forget that. And uh, we need to either try to get those in people's hands or figure out other ways to help give people the services that need. So do you have any advice to anyone listening who might be suffering from a mental health issue or, or maybe they don't consider it a mental health issue, but, you know, emotional issues or depression and anxiety that think, you know what, maybe I should reach out and get some help. I would recommend that they do just that. Reach out, ask for help. There are lots of community resources out there, lots of agencies who want to help you. And you don't have to suffer alone. I think many of us do. We feel some sort of shame at not feeling well, feeling bad. But mental health professionals are out there. We're still working. We're still doing the services. We will help you figure it out. Even if you're looking at your computer, it still has value. And I would recommend anybody who's struggling to to reach out and, and seek some services and get some help. Concerning that, there depends on where you are geographically, right? We have up in our the website that we always give out, which is catholicaoc.org slash being pro life. You go to that website, depending on where you are, there'll, there'll be various resources listed for you if you need help or if you're thinking you might need help. If you're not sure how to get a hold of Catholic Charities of Southwest Ohio or Catholic Charities of the Miami Valley, right? Those are the two here in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. If you're listening from this locale, that's most of our listeners, but we do, we have some people all over the world. So if you're outside of those areas, then just look up your local agencies, right? So is there a way that the regular person in the pew can help? Maybe a place to donate? I mean, you can't volunteer to be a therapist, <laughs> right? Of course, <laughs> but but there, there are other ways maybe that a person listening can help in this area. Yes. Well, we, we will not turn down donations. We have many programs Catholic charities where volunteers are welcome. I would encourage people who have a heart for this and feel like they want to do something, go to our website and check it out. We have our volunteer program is still going strong. It's been adapted, but it's still working. And I think it, volunteerism can really help people feel better. I think it helps your mental health, actually, but I think it also helps people feel less powerless because sometimes we do feel that way. Life feels a little out of control. And when you're doing something, you're contributing and you're helping yourself and others. So it's a win-win. What are some of the ways that people can volunteer? What physical things are you talking about? If anyone is interested, our website is, you can find us at www.ccswoh.org. Okay. And again, if you didn't catch all that, just go to 
catholicaoc.org slash beingprolife. And you'll be able to find that link, uh, the Miami Valley, as well as Catholic Charities of Southwest Ohio on our link if you want to click and volunteer or donate. Or or maybe in, in another case, you might just have a friend that you think might need some help and you can just need to encourage them to reach out as well. Absolutely. The referral process is very simple. If you go to our website, all of our programs are listed. And when you see mental health, click on it. There's an online form that goes straight to our intake coordinator. And she'll call you back, get your information, and we'll go from there. Okay, so you talked about telehealth. So is everything, you know, telehealth right now? Or are you seeing some people in person in certain circumstances? We are able to see some people in the office. I would say we're probably about 85% remote therapy at this point. But for some people who maybe really can't do telehealth, we will see them in the office. And we do follow all protocols. It feels very safe. We take temperatures. The place is very clean. When I'm there, I, I don't worry. We, we do the distancing thing. The, the other thing I would mention, too, is we continue to provide medication management services. Our psychiatrist and nurse are still coming physically to the office once a week. And again, they're doing telehealth. But if there's someone who needs to be seen in person, we can accommodate that, too. So we're trying to be flexible while being as safe as possible. Would it be true that the more serious, if you will, the more someone is suffering from various anxieties or depression, the more they need to see someone in person? Or that just really depends on the person. It really just depends on a lot of other factors, not just about how much one is affected by their mental health. That can be a reason to see someone in person. Other reasons might be a language barrier, Mm. having a hard time understanding and having interpretation can sometimes be a lot easier in person. You know, and again, I think I mentioned people with developmental delays who maybe really can't figure out the the telehealth piece of things. Um, We will sometimes see them in the office. Also, I would say new clients. When we do an intake, we generally want to have people in front of us, if at all possible. Our psychiatrist definitely wants to see new patients in his office for the first time. So those are a few of the reasons why we might make an exception. Right. Something just occurred to me. So there could be people who have mobility issues and it's just really difficult for them to get somewhere in order to see a therapist. Are you aware of people who are just like, I am so glad that I can now do this online because it's so hard for me to get to an appointment? Has that kind of stuff happened or, or we don't know? Thanks for the question. No, that absolutely does happen. I, I think I mentioned, you know, childcare and transportation can be a real barrier for people in an older people who have ambulatory issues. I can tell you, we have an older client who with the help of her daughter was able to do telehealth and just the, the pride that she felt in being able to manage that, that really boosted her self-esteem. And then it, that trickled down to other parts of her life. She's been able to FaceTime or do video calls with some family that she hasn't been able to see. So, you know, there are secondary gains to this telehealth business as well. Right. I hadn't thought of that because of your telehealth, you're taught how to use the equipment, then you can use that in your personal life and figure out how to talk to your grandkids or whatever. I had to do that with my own mother, right? She, she's totally learned how to use <laughs> Zoom and Google chat and all that stuff, which she never had to use prior to the past nine months. It's been great to at least have that. It does not compare to seeing her in person, but it's much better than not, right? Seeing her at all. Bob, I I agree. I think that's a parallel to what it's like maybe doing therapy in person versus over telehealth. You miss the physical presence of people, 
but it's certainly much better than not seeing them at all. Right, exactly. Thank you for talking with us today about how COVID has affected all of us, how we can better help those most impacted right by this pandemic, particularly from a mental health perspective. So thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. It's been my pleasure to talk with you. And I want to thank all our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to view the resources talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash being-pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.